0: So Nephi wants to not just see the things his father saw, but he wants to know the things his father saw. And he was believing the Lord could make these things known to him. And he says, as I sat pondering in my heart, I was caught away in the spirit of the Lord to an exceeding high mountain. I'd never been there before, never set my foot on there. And the spirit speaks to him and says, behold, what do you see? What do you want? Rather... And he says I desire to behold the things my father saw. So first he says I, I want to see these things, but then later he says I want to understand the interpretation. And then this spirit asks him. He says, do you believe that the thy father saw the tree? of which he has spoken? And he says, yeah, I know that I believe all the words of my Father. And then the Spirit says, Hosanna to the Lord, the Most High God, for he is God over all the earth, yea, even above all. And then in verse 44 and 45, this is what Nephi has given as a sign, and this is what he's told the witness of. He says, Blessed art thou, Nephi, because you believe in the Son of the Most High God. Wherefore... Thou shalt behold the things which thou hast desired, and behold, this is the the thing that shall be given unto you for a sign, that after you have beheld this tree which bore the fruit of which thy father tasted, thou shalt also behold a man descending out of heaven, and him shall ye witness, and after that ye shall have witnessed him, ye shall bear record that it is the Son of God. Right right there. The very, So the very first thing, the very first thing that he's told is that if you want to understand these things, you've got to understand first, this is Jesus Christ. This is the one. This is the Son of God. And you are going to bear witness of him.
1: It's like uh, what we were already talking about. You can look at the dynamics. You can look at the nuts and the bolts of, like, the fountain is this and the river is this and the rod of iron's this. But underlying that, there's a narrative. Right. And the narrative is the son of God, behold him, bear record of him. He's coming. He's through everything. Right. And and this is the
0: point. It's like in my mind, I always remember the tree, but I didn't realize Nephi's now told, <laughs> he, he sees this tree in the next few verses. He said, it's white beyond anything was white. It was beautiful beyond anything of beauty. And then he shows him all this beauty and then... The angel says, what do you desire? And in verse 49, Nephi says, to know the interpretation. And so what happens? So he's now seeing this tree, and then all of a sudden, he's taken to the city Nazareth, and he sees this virgin. He says she was beautiful, fair, and white. And he sees the heavens open, and he sees this uh, young girl, and a question is asked to him. And he says in verse 56, Knowest thou the condescension mm-hmm. of God? And so, all of a sudden, he, you know, this this whole thing has taken on a different meaning to me because he's shown this tree, and and he's he's told, "You're going to bear witness to Jesus." And he says, "What does this mean?" And he takes him to Nazareth, Nazareth, and he sees Mary. And then he is asked this question. Do you understand the condescension of God? Condescension means to stoop down. Do you understand how God is going to stoop down? And all of a sudden he says, I know he loves his children, but I don't know the meaning of these things. And he, and he sees that Mary births Jesus, the Son of God. On on this earth, and he, she carries his child in her arms, and he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God, even the Eternal Father." And that's in the restored covenant edition. If you've got the earliest version, it's going to say the Son of the Eternal Father. But he's he's shown this is God who's coming to the earth, and then he finally says in verse sixty four, so, or sixty three and sixty four. So now, Nephi, do you know the meaning of the tree that your father saw? And he's saying. Yea, it's the love of God that sheds itself abroad in the hearts of children and men, and this is the thing that's most de- desirable above all.
1: But it's—you un, it's, un—it's can't separate it. You can't separate it. He asks him, behold the Lamb of God, you know, the Eternal Father, know, and then right away says, knowest thou the meaning of the tree? And I answered him saying, yes, it is the love of God, right? That's connected to beholding the Lamb of God. Exactly. The Lamb of God, the love of God. He's like, this is what the tree is. It's Jesus
0: Christ. And isn't
1: that the fruit we partake of? to be intimately connected to Jesus Right. because the other tree was says you'll never hunger, you'll never thirst when you take of this fruit. And here he's telling you what that fruit is. Exactly. And see, all I ever saw was the tree and I didn't realize,
0: you know, Nephi sees the tree and he sees Jesus being born. And he says, this is the love of God. He says, oh, and then he takes him and he shows how Jesus is going forth among the children of men. People are worshiping him. He's, he's falling down. They're falling down on his feet. And he's seen this word of God that is bringing people to this fountain of waters. And that was a representation of the love of God. And and he's told again in verse 70, look, now behold the condescension of God again. And he sees this Jesus being baptized and the Holy Ghost upon him. And and then he sees him lifted up, uh, or, you know, uh, well, after he heals people and and all these people are healed by, by Jesus and his power, he finally sees him lifted up on the cross. And again, this whole response is he's saying, look to see the condescension, look what God has done. All of this compared back to the love of God. Well, his vision Nephi's vision includes a, a couple things one is he he sees this river of water that was dark and that's coming up and he sees this large and spacious building which is a, about to come up in the next few verses but there was another element of water that Nephi talks about that Lehi didn't include and he said at the uh, at verse 68 Uh, He says, it came to pass that I beheld the rod of iron, which my father had seen, was the word of God, which led not just to the tree, but it says, led to the fountain of living waters or the tree of life, which waters are a representation of the love of God. Now, it's interesting because the tree is the love of God, but he sees this fountain or spring or or the the head of the river coming from this tree as well. And, And these waters... Represent the love of God. Well, in times past and in, in classes, I, I know, and this is where the Book of Mormon's become like so alive to me, I've realized there's two words that come to the surface throughout the Book of Mormon, and that is the words justice and, and the words mercy. Uh-huh. And when we come to Jesus, if we have this change of heart, he says his mercy will be applied and wash away our sins. That is his love. That is That is... The price he paid, the infinite price he paid, so that our sin could be washed away, so we could be white and pure, just like this tree, to be with him again. But if we don't come to God, or if we turn away from him, we suffer the justice of God. That's the other word, mercy and justice. And so these words are described by Nephi as, one, he sees this beautiful river of water coming from the tree of life, representing God's mercy, and he sees this dark, filthy water, which which Lehi describes, and he said, that is the justice. He said, this is the dirty, filthy water, he said, representing the, the works of man. And he goes through and later describes how this water that separates the people in the great and spacious building from the people who found the tree of life is is the justice of God and that Again, we are found either at the mercy of God or we're found you know, enjoying the mercy of God or we're found suffering because of the justice of God. And there's no in between. There's no in between. What anyone in any of the Restoration churches who's ever heard this Book of Mormon story whether it's Lehi's account or Nephi's account, will tell you is there's only one tree in the end. You, you could never fool someone and tell them, hey, Mike, you know, Nephi has this vision, and he sees this field of trees, and, well, there's this big tree there, but there's a, a smaller tree, and it's got some fruit. It's not that great a fruit. as the big one. But then there's a whole bunch of little trees, and they're bearing some fruit. Well, Try to get to one of those trees. Hopefully you get to the big, biggest tree, right? Because that's the one with the best fruit. But some of them, some of the people, they held on to the word, but maybe they only got to another tree or they got to a little tree. No, there's one tree, and that's life with God. That's returning to the life, the life that he created for us from the beginning, which is the only definition of salvation. There is no other definition of salvation. And so in this account of, of Nephi, as he... He keeps going back and forth. He's shown this tree, and oh, yeah, and then he's shown Jesus. And then he's asked, hey, do you understand how God stooped down? And he sees Jesus on the cross. And he goes back and forth, and he keeps comparing these things to, to God's word. Well, in the end, and, and this is a scripture that I think I've, I've kind of shocked some people in class because they're thinking, oh, that can't be in there. Well, if First Nephi 3 in the RLDS version is Lehi, Nephi's vision. First Nephi 4... The next chapter is the question and answer session that his brothers have. Uh, he, he says, hey, there was this point in time where my brothers were kind of pacified. And, and after I had kind of regained my strength, because in, in in the story of Nephi, he hadn't even been to the promised land. And now in this vision, he sees... Uh, not just what Lehi saw where Laman and Lemuel didn't want to go to the tree, but he sees the consequence of their decisions. He sees the nations of Laman and Lemuel and the nations of Nephi's descendants and how they, they both brought themselves to almost mutual destruction because of the consequences of the brothers' choices. Well, in this end, they're asking, he says, well, what does this tree mean? What does this, this river mean? What is this rod of iron? And in the end, the summary of Nephi's understanding is this he said and and jump to the end of 1 Nephi 4 he he says he, he's explaining this in the very end when the brothers ask him this uh it, it's 1 Nephi let's jump into verse uh chapter 4 verse 43 uh or for let's this actually start at verse 38 because I don't want to lose this yeah what what meaneth the rod of iron which our father saw that led to the tree?
1: And this the, is the question and answer. This, this is, is a, question the question and answer. brother's can, answering, asking yeah, yeah, they, they, Nephi, they want to know. explain and, this.
0: And, and so Nephi says, well, yeah, it's the word of God, and whoso holds on to it won't perish. And then the temptations and fiery darts of the adversary can't lead you away to destruction. But then Nephi even adds to this in verse 41 and 42. I did exhort them to give heed unto the word of God. And then he says, Yea, I did exhort them with all the energies of my soul and with all the faculty which I possessed. I mean, Nephi's like, I went crazy on this right here. He said that they should give heed to the word of God and remember to keep his commandments always in all things. I mean, if you don't get anything else, he said, get this, follow the word of God, and it's going to take you to the single tree, which is life with God again. But notice then they ask another question, 43. So what about this river of water that our father saw? And this is where it's it's an amazingly beautiful and clear explanation. He says, so the water which dad, Lehi, saw was filthiness. And his mind was so swallowed up in the other things, he didn't see how filthy the water was. So he said when, when dad told the story, he didn't include this, but he said they saw filthy water. And notice he said... And he said, this was like an awful gulf, and it separated the wicked from the tree of life and also from the saints of God. So we've got a division. We've got the wicked on one side. We've got the saints on the other. And it was a representation of the awful hell, which the angel said unto me was prepared for the wicked. So hell being a spiritual death. So he sees this filthy water separating the people who found God and the love of God from the separation, which is... Uh, spiritual death. But notice the word in the next verse. And I, I said unto them that our Father also saw that the justices of God did divide the wicked from the righteous. Remember, if you justice. don't find mercy, it's you suffer justice, right? So this is the justice. And then the brightness, it's interesting because it said the brightness thereof was like unto kind of the brightness of flaming fire and it extended up forever and ever and hath no end. So He even saw light with this, but then they say, well, does this mean the torment of the body in the days of probation, or does it mean the final state of the soul after death? He says, is this something you mean is something we're going to experience in this life now or later? Are you talking about temporal things or spiritual? And Nephi responds, he said, it's a representation of both. He said, life is going to be hard for you now in this life, and life is going to be hard for you in eternity because of this. So that's what he says in verse 51, but he said, notice how this Clearly defines the gospel. For the day should come that they must be judged of their works, even the works which were done by the temporal body in the days of probation. So, so the works that we do in this life we're going to be judged for. But if we die in our wickedness, in verse fifty-three, then we're cast off as to things uh, which are spiritual pertaining to righteousness. So he's saying, hey, the things you do in the temporal affect the things in the spirit, because then. Verse 54, were brought to stand before God to be judged of our works. And if our works were filthy, then then they must needs be filthy. We remain filthy because no filthy thing can dwell in the kingdom of God. That's why the tree was so white. There was nothing filthy over there. There's nothing impure. And so if the kingdom of God was, was filthy, then, you know, or rather, if Fifty-seven. If so, the kingdom of God must be filthy also. But I say unto you, the kingdom of God is not filthy. There cannot any unclean thing enter into the kingdom. So, wherefore, it must needs be a place of filthiness, which is prepared for the filthy. And there is a place prepared, even that awful hell which I've spoken of, and the devil is the preparator of it. So, now here's the, the capstone verse of this. And this verse, I never realized until this week, is the explanation of the entire meaning of the vision. He says this, Wherefore, the final state of the souls of men is to dwell in the kingdom of God. That's what the tree of life, the one tree of life, there's one salvation, is to dwell in the kingdom of God or to be cast out because of that justice which I have spoken. The the tree represented the love of God, which is the mercy of God, which is his plan for us. The, the, The water, the fountain that came was the mercy of God, separated by the filthiness, which is the justice because of the evil works of men. Wherefore, verse 62, the wicked are separated from the righteous and also from that tree of life whose fruit is most precious and most desirable above all other fruits, and it is the greatest of all the gifts of God.
1: It's interesting because in my margin right here I have, if this is the final state, this is what I wrote at some point in time, if this is the final state and all are clean, why are there glories for eternal separation? Wow, you wrote that. You see, and, and, and
0: not to get into that too much, because I know we've talked about it in some other episodes that are coming up, is that, we have incorrectly in our generation, going back a couple generations at least, incorrectly uh, understood and therefore incorrectly taught these words about glories, which are words to paint yeah. word pictures. No,
1: this is fun to get in because, in, in all actuality, this is this. I think we will lead right into that next episode for that. So,
0: yeah, because this is the point is that it's always only been God is saying there's one decision to make. And it will lead you to my right hand or my left hand, and there's there's no other place to
1: end up. There's no unclean thing that can enter into the kingdom of God. And so, how do we become clean? What's but, but and it's only through one way. Well, how are you? If there's no unclean thing in the kingdom, then why are you in some moon glory that is saved into the kingdom of God? <laughs> exactly. If you're clean, you should be able to be with the Father. Exactly. And either Jesus can wash away
0: all of our sin, or we don't come to Him and have any of our sin mm-hmm. washed away. That's the story of the Book of Mormon.
1: And so we have to, so then we have to like get into some other areas where we would say, well, then the kingdom of God is just um, a certain period or a certain place outside of this hell that he saw, outside of the justice. The kingdom of God is a certain place and yet there's other certain places that you don't end up in hell, but you're not in the kingdom of God. Yes, yes. So is that God's part of God's kingdom where God doesn't go or is that part of, I just don't see that so far. You know what, something else, Corey, in And continuing in wickedness or, um, you know, the temporal versus the spiritual, it says if your works are evil in the days of your probation and you die in your wickedness, you're cast off also to the spiritual or you're cast off maybe in the other world. And yet, so how does that um, allow for people that are in the prison house to repent and then come forth at these different times to stand at the right hand of Jesus I think that, and we don't talk about this very often, but there's a difference between continuing in wickedness and simply faltering or giving into the flesh at different times um, despite where your heart or your desires are at. Mm -hmm. Um, So basically being less than perfect. You're less than perfect. You're sinful. But that doesn't necessarily mean you're continuing in wickedness. Right, right. And so those are just probably topics that we haven't talked about because we we believe there's a place for all all of these kinds of people. And yet I believe that Jesus says, no, you are, I am not going to allow you to, to remain in a state where you want to be with me, but you continue to sin. You are going to be brought to this state of perfection, and I'm going to perfect you. you. I am the author and the finisher of your faith. I am going to change your heart completely where you no longer— Sin or want to sin
0: oh i I love that you know i i've was searching uh and reading and just reading through revelation uh, this week and in some quiet moments and you know this word endure and and overcome uh, came to mind because sometimes you wonder you know if you falter and you fall away well did i did I disappoint God and am I cast out now have i have i Gone too far, you know, and 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 you know his his arm is outstretched. One of the reasons why he tells us to always forgive, you know, seven times seventy, is because he's willing to do the same times infinity with us. And and Mosiah even records, "Hey, as often as my people repent, I will forgive them." He he states that up front. He doesn't try to hide that. He doesn't. It's not a license to sin. But what's interesting is that you know he he tells us to to endure, to overcome. And I love this from Revelation, this word overcome, tying in with all these thoughts. Revelation 2.7 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Is so, that Revelation? You said? Yeah, Revelation yeah. 2.7. So if you overcome, I'll give you this tree of life. And it's in the paradise of God. So this is where God is at, right? Mm-hmm. You're going to participate if you overcome. Two 2.11 he that overcometh will not be hurt of the second death. You know, the second death is this final separation mm-hmm. of the wicked, right? And and he keeps going. He says, to him that overcometh, this is in 2.17, uh, you know, just like how you were sharing earlier in almost 16 about mercy, and he, he uses this word over and over. Well, in, in Revelation, he keeps emphasizing if you overcome. To him that overcometh will I give to eat the hidden manna. And, and you know, this word of God, which... And will give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knows save he that receives it. He's going to give us his name, which he shares. But he continues to say in verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 5, Him that overcometh shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name in the book of life, I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Isn't that something that he will say, Mike Barrett overcame and he's announcing this, you know, in heaven and the angels are hearing this, you know, that's, that's the description. And that's what Jesus says is awaiting those who endure, who who stick to the course. You know, he says, I'm going to make you a pillar in, in the temple of God. I'm going to, and finally he says this in verse three, uh, 21, to him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I sat down with my father in his throne. And finally, in 21, verse 7, he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Isn't that just, I mean, it just that's catches. That's Jesus speaking. It, exactly. Yes, yes, that's Jesus. Yeah. And it's like, he's like, how, how can it be any better than that? But that's, that's what he's telling us
1: how do we miss the the story you know and i was just i was thinking you know we go through the vision and we teach stories we teach stories in the bible our kids know them and and there's pictures that are drawn and we learn that the great and spacious building is the pride of the world we learn that the rod of iron is the word of god and we write songs and we write things about it but we We can focus on the stories and we miss the story, which is Mm -hmm. this, which we've, I think we've hopefully flushed out today. And that is in order to have a changed heart, you plant a word within it. And that word is that the son of God is going to come down and that your father in heaven is merciful to you because he's going to atone for your sins. And that there's this place prepared for you. And as long as you of course, do all of these things, nourish and, and everything, you are going to be with him. And we have no reason to fear what lies ahead. We have to trust that God is powerful to save us. And I grew up, I grew up not believing that because of these different levels of, of the kingdom that I heard about. And I just would line myself up to other people and it leads to comparison. It leads to looking at each other. And I wonder if they're better than this. Am I celestial in nature? And Now we're kind of getting into the eternal life, which I think is where we're going to go next. So this is a great segue uh, into eternal life. But I hope that we fleshed out today that this um, tree represents Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. and that the love of God really is the Son in whatever form. But he is the main part of all the story, the story. And
0: as we said in the beginning this underlying story
1: is that God wants
0: us to be back with Him, and this whole process, this whole every story leads to that. His His purpose is our immortality and eternal life, uh-huh. and in this entire work, this every aspect of His word to us tells this to us over and over again. I I don't know how we how we lost side of this. Sometimes I think, you know, we think it's uh, deep, mysterious things that we're supposed to be able to understand, but I'm finding more and more it's this plain and the the plainness, the beauty, the simplicity Mm -hmm. of this story of Christ that is the real mystery to understand.
1: Corey, tell me about Lehi's vision. You know, I, I used to talk, I would probably pull out something like, well... The point of the vision is this: you've got to hang on to the word of God, or you'll be lost right, in, right. The, in the in yeah. the dreary wilderness, or or something else. But what is the main focus of the of the of the visions?
0: The the main focus of the vision is it comes back to the word of God, the tree of life, the rod of iron, the, all these things lead us back to God, and He is the only means of salvation. There is no other way, there's no other means, there's no other hope to have life eternal other than him, and there's only one way back. I I think sometimes we get caught up, too, in feeling that, as you mentioned out with words, that, you know, well, we'll, we'll tell people this is the rod of iron, and, and this is our rod of iron, you know, we've got a Bible and a Book of Mormon and Doctrine and Covenants, and there's a part of me that wants to say, yeah, and so we have the fullness, and this is the only rod that you can hold on to. But there's a there's a difference here, and and this is it's how we live it out. We can have all the books of scripture that were ever written, but if our hearts haven't changed to become humble and and loving and kind and um, long suffering. You know, if that hasn't transformed us, we can we can say we're holding on the word mm-hmm. because we've been given restored words, but if those haven't, as you used uh, the term once in a conversation we had, if those haven't increased our capacity to love people, you know, if if that
1: hasn't happened in our life, mm-hmm. what word are we holding on to? And how do you, uh, yeah, but Cora, how do you, um, how do you have all of those things? Transpire in your life when you've been taught that that there's levels and that God's going to judge you based on your work because that 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 creates a whole host of problems. Well,
0: it's kind of Zoramite doctrine when it comes back to it. You know, they're kind of like, "Thank you, Lord, that you saved us and you aren't saving Mm -hmm. these other people, and and we're the special ones." And it's like, we're all unworthy. And so, part of it, you know, it, it comes back to humility and repentance. The word in prophecy of the last days directed to the Gentiles who received this work, the Book of Mormon,
1: is if they repent, if uh-huh. they repent, because... But even before repentance, though, there's something else. It's it's You have to have hope. You have to have hope that Christ is mighty to save and that your heart can be changed. Because re- I can't repent. I can't repent when I keep looking around and saying that... I'm a, you know, I'm a sinner, and that I fall down in these ways, and that there's a God that's going to judge me and place me in a place that I deserve, away from Him, uh, because I don't measure up to Moses or Abraham. Right. And so what I'm saying, this whole tree of life and everything, and when you said, you know, Nephi's interpretation, it all comes back to this. Remember, I am merciful to you because of the Son. He's atoned for your sins. He's atoned for your sins. And when I am free. When I am free to completely believe that I'm going to be with my Father and his kingdom, and I have nothing to fear, and that he's going to save me, I am then free to love. Yes, yes. And I am yes. free to experience his love. To, to love without reservation. And when the scripture
0: states that God is angry because we won't understand of the mercies mm-hmm. because of thy son, that to me is the biggest message that we have lost in the restoration is that we haven't presented this merciful God who is mighty to save. Right. We, we've presented this God who's kind of finicky and fickle, and he's really only got a short list of people who he wants to be with him and everyone else, how they can go their way. But it presents him as is moody and a respecter
1: of persons, and he's saying, no, there there is no respect. You come to me, all your sins are washed away. And I... I believe, when I, and I'm thinking of when when Zoe was here and sharing her testimony and her love of the Lord. What maybe one of the good things of having the church kind of uh, disintegrate and um, lose its organizational structure is that there's a group of uh, people like her that that probably don't even know all of these intricate teachings. You don't of carry life a lot internal. of the baggage, and, yeah, and so all they. I just see a young person that loves the Lord and that believes that he's good and that he loves her. And and there's been times in my life when I felt somewhat jealous of other denominations who believe, you know, Jesus did it, the work, and I'm going to be saved. And they have just this, I guess, like you said, no baggage. But the fullness of the gospel, I think the message just— got distorted and we've lost a lot of the joy, but we've lost the message that we had to take to other people. And that message is going to go to other people. Right. His pure message is going to go out, whether or not we are going to be able to share it or not, I don't know. Well, you know, and I know we're a little long in this
0: episode, but it's not too bad if we have a long one now and then, right? No. But But here's, here's how to tie in the prophecies that Nephi sees— And it's after this vision of the tree of life, his story continues on, but it's the very words that Jesus shares when he comes to visit Nephi's descendants, when Jesus comes to them as a resurrected Savior. The Gentiles, that's us, who received this gospel, said we would sin and reject it we would miss the message of it. It's what it's saying. We would get caught up in our arguings. We would get caught up in our understanding of glories. We would diminish the Savior as we supposedly are presenting him to this world, this one whose first and foremost concern is for our salvation, for everyone, to make it seem like, well, it's just for this select group of people who made it to Jackson County, for instance. And it's like, no, we've missed this point. But what happens and this is the profound thing that is yet to happen, but I think it's, well, we're a day closer. Who knows when it is? The Lord says the word goes back to the original writer's descendants. So the Nephite people, their descendants who live somewhere in this scattered land, when it returns to them, he says, "'I will baptize them with fire and the Holy Ghost.'" They won't come to Christ because we teach of all of our baggage and of our splintering and our histories and our confusion and all this stuff. They're going to have the word, and they're going to see the merciful Savior who's, who's been behind it, and they're going to see his story clearly from the beginning, and that is going to transform them and make them mighty and power and strong and powerful, and that is what begins what we like to talk about is the building of Zion. And that's what 3rd Nephi 10 states. You know, these these people are described as a lion. These are Joseph's remnant, Nephi's descendants, who return to God in a way that they become spiritually mighty. It says they can go through and tread down and tear in pieces and no one can deliver. That's the description of these people who to whom the word is going to return. And what I believe it's saying is they aren't going to learn it through our traditions, through our through our brokenness, through our traditions, they're simply going to learn the love of God, and they're going to have the power of His Spirit to back them, and they're going to be unstoppable. And that is when the
1: kingdom, that is when the city, the roots of the city, the earthly city get established. Well, I wonder if hopefully our message, hopefully this was profitable for someone, Um, what word do we plant? It's good to ask questions when you read the scriptures. And like I said, there's a lot of stuff that goes along with this. It's not as simple as just saying, Well, you plant what's the word we plant that Jesus saves, but but the point is it is that simple. Don't look beyond the mark. That is the underlying narrative of all of the scriptures woven in and out. And so we continue to study repentance and faith and baptism and prophecy, and we continue to study all of these things, but I guess the point is don't lose sight of the narrative when you're studying it. Yeah. Don't yeah. spend, you know, don't spend three Sunday school classes studying Nephi's vision and Lehi's vision, making comparisons and figuring out what equals what, and and here's this word picture and drawing. Here's the Hebrew us. definition of and yeah. iron, right? Yeah. Don't don't do all of that and lose sight of the story that's woven through that, and that is, is that we are made to partake of the fruit which is the love of God shed abroad in the hearts of men, which is the condescension of man, which is God coming down and walking among us, which is also what leads to us to never hunger and never thirst. It's these things. That's the underlying story. Don't don't lose sight of that as we learn all of these other stories. And that is the singular destination of all of this. Yeah. You know,
0: Mike, I think in closing, there's a scripture from the book of Helaman. Sure. Chapter 2. Verse 26, that, that ties this in, and, and you know, when when these words were written, it's 600 and some years after Jesus, or I'm sorry, after Nephi shares his vision. But, but notice how it captures all these ideas. Um, this is a second chapter, Helaman, starting at verse uh, 25. Thus we might see that the Lord is merciful unto all who will in sincerity of their hearts. Call upon his holy name. We see that the gate of heaven is open unto all, even to those who will believe on the name of Jesus, who is the Son of God. We see that whosoever will lay hold upon the Word of God, which is quick and powerful, which shall divide asunder all the cunning and the snares and the wiles of the devil, and lead the man of Christ in a straight and narrow course across that everlasting gulf of misery. Which was prepared to engulf the wicked and land their souls, uh, he said. This will, uh, the, this will land their souls. For the good people, their immortal souls, at the right hand of God in the kingdom of heaven, to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and with all our holy fathers, to go no more out.
1: I love that. I was thinking of that scripture uh, earlier on while you were talking. Lead the man of Christ, and I was, I wasn't remembering where that was, but. To me, that scripture is so clearly stated that uh, we are all being led to one place, one destination. God loves us. God wants us. His joy is watching us never hunger and thirst anymore. His joy is watching us no longer need to try to... Fill that hole inside with things other than him. That's going to be his joy because he's going to watch each person that gets to that point realize with a great revelation that, oh, my gosh, I don't want to be anywhere else than right here. Right, right. And that's the story and all the other stories point to, and right. we have to keep that. Thanks for sharing that scripture at the end, Corey. I think we are going to... Uh, scoot on out of here uh, for this episode wow and maybe this will be two episodes i don't know we'll see how we do it but from independence the cottage studios can we all remember we are just walking each other home let's be graceful merciful to one another may all be in the kingdom of god one day god bless